This episode of the Shooting Brooks podcast is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Do you want to make some quick cash on sports betting but don't really know how? Well, come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a specific sport. For instance, if you're interested in the NFL on Thrive Fantasy, you choose 10 out of the 20 player propositions to build your lineup. NFL not your thing? Not a problem. For the NBA, MLB, PGA, or esports, you choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to happen. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. If you're into the PGA, Thrive has new contests for each day of tournaments, so don't sweat it if your golfers ruin your weekend by not making the cut. Since launching in 2018, Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes. Ready to play? You can download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Don't forget to use our promo code SBPOD when you sign up today to receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. Welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And my, I guess my happiness was very quickly extinguished. The fire that was burning, the happiness fire that was burning was extinguished. And that's all thanks to the Los Angeles Lakers. So thanks for that, LA. Really appreciate it. Kind of living up to your name there, Lakers. You can thank Anthony Davis uh, specifically. Anthony Davis. Sure. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by... Uh, I'm Daniel Wayne, and as a Lakers fan, I can sniff Banner 17 from my front window. You know I got to start with the worthy clap, because we bring in it back for the third win of the finals for Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, and just to comment on what you said, Jared, I, I guess you could say we took the flame out. We put the heat out, you know. Uh, it's your boy, Really Real, Jarrell Sales. Welcome back, everybody. And welcome back indeed, and especially welcome back to Bam Adebayo, because this was, I'm sure this wasn't the, the reception he was hoping for. And he played well. He played well enough, considering he was out for, what, four or five days with a neck injury. He had 15.7 rebounds and an assist, but you can tell he was kind of rusty, even though he was six of eight from the field, he just didn't look necessarily right per se. It just being away for so long really showed because he didn't necessarily know how to approach the offense because it was so Jimmy centric. But now that he's back, he just, he just seemed out of place, even though he did score the 15 points. So what do you guys think? He did. Bam did seem kind of rusty tonight. But overall, this game was honestly the most definitely the toughest of the whole series as of yet. And I think um, morale-wise, this was a huge win for the Lakers. So, I mean, I, I mean, if you're in that Miami locker room, you're going to try the best you can if you're Eric Spolstra. But, like, the Lakers took a lot of morale tonight. 
I mean, I think we still saw a different energy uh, in the heat, what they brought, especially within the first half. Um, to be honest, I feel like both teams had a lot of sloppy moments. The Lakers yep. just focused on a little bit more. But, you know, it's good that he's out there. I, I know I saw uh, Dragic on, on the bench just like very, you could see in his face, very emotional that he's not out there. So, I mean, I'm glad that Bam is, is able-bodied to go out there and actually play and give us competition that we need. I know they got that first win, but yeah. And you speak of energy, right? And I kind of want to bring up Jimmy Butler because this game, I think the 40-point game just really took something out of him because he seemed a lot more passive. I don't know if it was just me, but a lot of these drives, and again, the commentators made mention of it, a lot of these drives he could have made Instead, he was looking to pass it. He was looking to be a facilitator, even though we just saw that he could he can stomp on whoever's defending him and score at will. And I don't necessarily know why he decided to take his foot off the gas, even though he played almost 44 minutes today. He just didn't look like the Jimmy Butler we saw in Game 3. I don't know if that was just me or... When you're playing a team on a, with a roster like that you know, makes it seem like an uphill battle... To just win one game takes a lot of energy out of you. So, I mean, like, after such, you know, af- especially after a 40-game performance and going up against, like, LeBron and AD, two of the top five players in the league, of course you're going to be exhausted the next game. I mean, that's just that. And, like, this is not a team, like, that has, like, superstars around them, right? There's, there's a lot of good players, but they're, they're not exactly superstars. So, like, a lot of times Miami can feel at times, sometimes, I hate to say this, a, a one-man show at times. So if you look at the if you look the, at the roster on paper, on paper, so that I mean Jimmy Butler, it it, it, it didn't really surprise me tonight. Um, I have to disagree with the 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 statement of him being potentially exhausted. We have to factor in that Jimmy Butler isn't your forty point scorer. That's not his game. He's he's said this before in press conferences. He still had a tremendous game with Anthony Davis guarding him. Not only AD was guarding uh, J- Butler, but they threw other defenders at him. Kyle Kuzma, Markeith Morris, and uh, LeBron James. For the most part, they did an okay job of making sure that his shots were still tough. He got to the free throw line, but a lot of his fouls ended up with Jimmy Butler being on the floor. And I understand he has to take a beating, but he still almost notched a triple-double. 22 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Now He had a good night. He had a good night. So we can't. We can't always like he he's elevated his game regardless this finals. And this is what you expect from your superstar players. He's not going to give you 40 a night. So him almost giving you a triple double is still impacting the game as best as he possibly could. And again, to go off of that impacting the game, right? Because we have, at least for me personally, I thought that with Jimmy unlocking this Zen mode where he can go off for 40, 10 and 10 on any given night, I was expecting him to continue that at least to maybe have a 25 or maybe a 30-point game because if he scores eight more points, I know that's saying a lot, but this would be a very different game, right? I mean, but when you're going up against LeBron James and Anthony Davis... Like, I mean, he, again, he did that in last game and he had 40 points. But you can't you can't score 40 all the time, especially right. against those two. Right, and I'm under, I, I get that. But what I'm trying to say is that if maybe he could have you know at least gotten 25 or 30 things would be a lot different because if you look at the box score, you know, Bam did his part. Duncan Robinson did his part, thankfully, because we've been bashing on him for a little bit. Tyler Hero did his part. 
And Jay Crowder is just really, he, he's super hit or miss. Same thing with Kelly Olynyk and Kendrick Nunn. And we, we're talking about Butler. He went 8 of 17. So, and he was 0 for 3 from 3. What can you do at that point, right? You're basically stuck here because Jimmy doesn't want to shoot threes, but he's shown that ability to go off at any given game. So if you're Eric Spolscher, what do you what do you do? I mean, it, I mean, bottom line, you have to take advantage of, you know, the Lakers sometimes weakness of defending the perimeter. So like if that's a tough thing for Eric Spolstra to deal with. And especially since you're dealing with a guy that can hit from downtown when he wants to. Yeah. And we're we're talking about Jay Crowder. There was a, an interesting switch that I found really interesting was that you guys mentioned it. AD defended Jimmy and then LeBron defended Jay Crowder. And if anything, that worked out really well. And I think moving forward, that is what's going to happen. But I'd just like to get your guys' take on how that, I guess, defensive switch affected the Heat, if if it did affect the Heat at all. I mean, if it did affect anything, I mean, putting AD on Jimmy Butler, it, it basically limited his production because, you know, it, you know, look at the size difference. Like, AD, you put a, like a 6'10", he's nearly 7 feet tall against a man like, like that's honestly way over, like way under that, is more near to the 6-foot side of the height. Uh, of the spectrum, I mean, of course, it will be effective to to an extent that you want. And LeBron putting putting LeBron Jay Crowder, I mean, Jay Crowder has been shown that he could be effective at times in the series. So to limit that effectiveness, I mean, LeBron LeBron has LeBron James has definitely worked. I feel like this might be the best approach to guarding him and we saw having a lengthier defender of course he's not going to be able to shut jimmy butler down but i also like the fact that we threw other people at him anthony davis wasn't guarding him the whole game he started off guarding him but again just to emphasize kuzma had some some plays where he was guarding butler marquise morris has some plays and although they aren't shutting him down just throwing those different bodies at him and just throwing different lengths and different sizes at him is what's needed because jimmy butler is very strong and he's He's very composed when he's attacking the basket. And you're going to need that length, and you're going to need somebody that's bulky to be able to withstand those bumps that Jimmy Butler does. Yeah, and it's not just Jimmy Butler, right? The rest of the Heat team just played absolutely horrific because as a whole, the team shot about 43% from the field, 34 from three, and about 81% more or less from the free throw line. And they took 26 free throws. And I'm just looking at it here. If they're getting all these freebies, that should be a little bit higher, maybe 23, 26, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm just a talking head. What do I know? But yeah, it, the, whatever the Lakers did defensively, especially that switch, worked really well because Kelly Olynyk was a non-factor in this game. Yeah, um, he, he, it felt like he disappeared. He, he almost did. He only played 12 minutes. He went one of four for four points and he had two rebounds and three fouls. Wow. And he was a minus seven too, which is the third worst on the team. So that is something to watch out for. And obviously the guy that they hoped would be kind of like an X factor in Kendrick Nunn was not an X factor because he was nowhere, nowhere to be found. Just kind of like the math problem. He was two of 11 for six points and four rebounds. So before we, we move on to the Lakers here. Any any last thoughts about the Heat 
at least how they played tonight? I mean, Miami played really well tonight. I think, like I said before, this was the most even series, of, even game in the series so far. Like Miami, Miami gave LA a tough show tonight. Like they only lost by six points. So that could have been easily been Miami's game. But the big point I want to take from here, like it was a 2-1 series going in. Now you're down 3-1 and you lose a, like a tough like a tough game like that. I mean, rarely ever do you have, you know, a moment where like, you know, Cleveland goes 3-1, but caveat, Draymond kicked someone in the balls. He's just been the next two games. Golden State. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. But um, p- apologies. But uh, I mean, this was, despite the close game, this was a clean Lakers victory. Um, to lose a tough game like that, it's got to be a, it's got to be very negative for your morale. So Eric Spolstra has a tough uh, task to get the morale back up for in time for Friday's game. Um, for the most part, I I feel like Miami has the Lakers playing a different way, you know, forcing them to shoot more. And what can you do? The Lakers aren't a good shooting team. So that's the best method you have, making sure that they try to stay out of the paint. And I feel like they've done a good job of that. They're forcing the Lakers to shoot, and they're just happening happening to hit shots. So what can you do? Yeah, and what can you do? And, when- and those, are, those, are, those are the moments when your morale goes down, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. you, you're spotting the other team's weaknesses, but the other team's – it doesn't really, like, bother the other team anyway. They still win. So that, that's, that's huge in terms of morale. That, that's got to suck. Yeah, and we've been talking about things that suck and, you know, phrasing, but we've been talking a lot about KCP and Danny Green because they had that horrific game last game. But I was scrolling through Twitter, and I saw KCP's supposed burner account saying KCP is going to go off. They only need two more games. Watch out next game, this thing, that thing. And I look, and at the end of the first quarter, KCP had 10 of the Lakers' 27 points. He shot four of six two of three from three, and he had two assists. So KCP, man, all the garbage has been thrown at him. As long as his burner account still works, he finds that extra pep in his step, that extra motivation, because it seems like whenever someone or whenever he has a bad game and everyone starts talking about him, he goes on his burner, kind of like KD saying, oh, yeah, he's going to ball out next game, watch out. And then all of a sudden, he balls out. So... What do you guys think of KCP this game? One of the unheralded heroes. Uh, KCP stepped up big time tonight. Um, we got him. We got him. We needed three pointers from him. You know, when Danny Green can't hit threes, we need the next person to step up. He's been stepping up this whole time, and he definitely uh, did his job tonight. Um, I can say that you know LeBron and AD had good games tonight. LeBron James deserves credit. Obviously, he kept this into the game when the game was tight. But if anything, I think the the supporting cast around those two. Were the bigger mo- were the bigger stars of the game to uh, after tonight's game because they like I said just like KCP when we needed someone to hit a shot they hit a shot and KCP was a part of that. Um, I I agree with your the 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 latter end of your statement. Uh, the supporting cast should be the honors of should get the honors of player of the game if there was such an honor for multiple people. Um, KCP. This is the KCP we want to see that's affecting the game in other aspects. Not only was he shooting, he was attacking the basket. And this is the Detroit Pistons KCP that I like to talk about. Mm. He's he's a pretty solid player attacking the basket. He gets up, gets a little finger roll, gets a little bump. He's quick first step uh, to get to the basket. And I want him to be able to do that. Just You don't always have to hit threes. And that is what makes 
Avery Bradley such an X factor for the squad because he does other uh, those other things. KCP is basically filling in that role. On top of that, he's doing what we saw a lot of earlier in the season where we would attack the basket and just lob it up to JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard. But in case of the finals, just giving it up to uh, Anthony, Anthony Davis. Davis. But Markeith Morris stepped up today. Kuzma looked a little bit more controlled today. Uh, and Rondo, even though he shot poorly, he still gave us seven rebounds, which three of those had to be offensive rebounds that gave us second-chance opportunities, and he still facilitates facilitated. So the Lakers, like like you said, supporting cast have been awesome. Yeah, shout-out to Danny Green, too, because, Daniel, you're going to love this. He had 10 points on four of eight shooting. He was doing I mean, something. <laughs> yeah, and he was. I mean, Danny Green, like, hasn't been the best this whole time in the bubble, but, you know, when he scores, he does score. Sometimes I just don't even know what to say. You got to wonder, because you talked about how it's tough playing in the bubble, right? And maybe there's something that's just gnawing at him in the back because we've seen Paul George talk about it. We've seen when when Chris Paul was talking to some students at USC, he talked about how one of the main things was mental health. And you have to wonder if the people talking on Twitter or the people that is just being around him or just all the talking heads, just talking all this mess to, to Danny green and about him, maybe that's affecting him in a little, in a slight way. I'm just playing psycho psychoanalyst here. I don't. I mean, it, it honestly isn't really surprising of all the leagues that, that could. I actually think the NBA is at more risk than to mental health problems than other professional sporting leagues across the United States, because just like we, we all talk about in mental health circles, how big social media plays a role today. And I mean, the NBA is it, their 24 hour like media cycle is insane. It's, it's way bigger than the other leagues uh, across the, across North America. People are always chirping at you. There's always, since the NBA is such an individualistic league, there's always this pressure on these players to perform every night. And especially when you're in a bubble, which is literally a TV show set. It's a TV mm-hmm. show set. So, I mean, I, I it does make me wonder, Jared, too. I mean, well, like, I wonder if, like, you know, Twitter has kind of, and the bubble being as isolated from your family, for how many months has it been? It's been, what, what like, since July? I think, I think I read somewhere that this would be 90 days since they entered the bubble. Three months. Three months. Three months cut off from your friends and family. So, I mean... <sighs> With all the Twitter social isolation, like of course I'm not surprised. Like, it it it's affecting them. So it makes me wonder too. I I I'm off. I I understand. Basketball is a mental game. I've played basketball in high school. I played basketball for fun in adult leagues, and I understand different games, different. It can it can mess you up. But I'm sorry, I can't give this to Danny Green as an excuse because his game has been kind of the same since uh, regular season till now. And you're at the highest level competing against other professionals. Do you know how many professional athletes talk (laughs) in the game? You know what I'm saying? And you sit up here. I don't understand. I understand it's possible to get bothered by some fans. But, you know, you have your own people that you go to work with that's saying you garbage, you trash, especially in game. You, 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 Especially in the NBA. The NBA is infamous for his trash talk. The the only league that could beat it is like, Honestly, the NHL, but that's another conversation. So I'm sorry, Danny Green, but, you know, you you, you got to do what you're getting paid for, bro. And, you know, we want him to hit threes. And 
we pay LeBron James not to turn the ball over. <laughs> yeah. And last game, he had, I don't know, how many turnovers did he have? Eight. Nine, eight. And struggling, then, struggling a lot in this game as well. And then by halftime, he had, of this game, he had a total of 13 turnovers, which is tied for the second most in a two-game span. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, I was kind of curious about that. Why do you think that is? Because I am, I don't want to say I'm a conspiracy theorist because I'm not, although there are some conspiracies that may or may not have some value. And so I'm thinking, right, he's not playing the way that he should be. And he's playing in a way that we're all not accustomed to, which is him just throwing the ball away. So I don't want to sound like a nut with, you know, a tinfoil hat, but I'm just curious. Do you think he's subtly potentially giving the Heat more opportunities so that this would be a more, I guess, successful game? Because they lost a ton of money, right? with the, the coronavirus and the whole China thing. So what if this is his way and the NBA's way of recouping at least some of that? No, absolutely not. Um, I completely disagree with that conspiracy. I think it's like, no, That's what I'm saying. it's a conspiracy I, I, theory. I think it's pretty stupid because LeBron James needed to win a title this year. Like mm-hmm. of all the years to compete and like not lose a finals. It was this season. It was this season. Remember coming into this season, LeBron was experienced one of the most embarrassing seasons of his whole career. He could mm-hmm. not even lead the Lakers to the playoffs. And people people began to doubt whether he was now exiting his prime. He was officially out of it. He was he was like he was officially washed up in a broken record. People were were beginning to to speculate on that. So like LeBron, LeBron of all he's always been a competitor, but he's the he's the biggest competitor this season because he knows winning this title adds a little bit more substance to his argument as the greatest player of all time. I could see that. That's fair. Uh, a part of me, like, understands the conspiracy. Like, you know, why Why are the Lakers so, like, they, they're able to flip the switch off and on? Like, why? This yeah. is, we're trying to get a championship. You guys look like the best team in the league first two games. First game for sure. Second game, yeah. I give you the knock. Yeah. Y'all look great. Y'all look, y'all perform, confidence, yeah, <laughs> hype, this and that. And then all of a sudden, game three, nothing. No, no energy is there. Lackadaisical. It, you can see it through your whole non-verbally. Mm-hmm. All, you can see it how they play. You know, it seems like you don't want to play. And some of that kind of trickled over into this game. So as a fan, I question it. As a fan, I get frustrated. I get irritated. I start thinking conspiracies. I start thinking you're you're not taking it seriously. You don't have that championship mentality. Because to me, in my mind. I'm trying to win the championship as soon as possible. I'm not playing any games. And this could have went either either way with Bam Adebayo coming back. Let's say that Goran Dragic was, was to come back too. Now, I don't know. It's just weird. It's very frustrating as a fan. I'm not sitting here watching a game, getting excited. This game, 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 uh, last game we lost to this game, we won. Not really much excitement. Yeah. And, again, with that excitement, it's just – Again, it's kind of weird because you mentioned flipping the switch, right? And this is something that I've noticed with this particular Lakers team. And you guys mentioned it all the time that all the Lakers need to do is play two really good quarters and this series is over. At least the game is over. Two. And the last two games, I haven't been convinced. This is conspiracy theories aside. I haven't been convinced that they necessarily 
care about this championship too much. I mean, regardless of what implications it may have on specific players, but to them, they're just trying to, I guess, bide their time, right? Because I mean, if anything, the players will be in- in- incentivized to win every game because, like, at the um, at the end of the day, like, we, they all want to go home. No one wants to be stuck in this bubble forever, especially when you're isolated from your friends and family. Right. Like, why would you want to stay longer? Right. But at the same time, you also have to take into account, again, the money issue, right? Because the league did lose so much money in that time. The reason why they made it 22 teams instead of whatever, and they had those eight extra games, is to hit those incentives to get more money to recoup the losses that they had. And so I'm just thinking, what if extra games obviously for them means more money so that they next season can have a little bit more wiggle room when it comes to negotiations, their contracts. At the same time, Jared, everyone's going to leave every sports league, no matter how big it is because of this crisis, everyone's going to lose money because of this crisis. I mean, but if you're thinking from like, from a perspective of Adam Silver, like, you know, like at the, in the long run, we're going to recover from this and we're, we're going to be making as much money as we were before. I mean, especially with the sport. Yeah, especially, and even in the short term, the recovery could be very, very quick. Knowing that this is the National Basketball Association, if if you're if you're Major League Baseball, yeah, it's a concern because your sport has lost ground, a lot of ground in the last fifteen years. If your sport like the NHL, oh yeah, I'm concerned because I mean our sport is not the most successful in North America. If you're Major League Soccer, of course I'm concerned because it's a developing uh, it's a developing sport which struggles it, it needs to continue to make money to to keep it growing so with the nba i mean with all the star power like i i wouldn't like why would i want my players to stay longer i'm gonna make that money back eventually right but you also have to take into account the cba is up in a few years and that's a big issue because no one wants another lockout and that's going to be a big talking point on the lost revenue for the season that's why adam silver is waiting until january or at least later in at least late this year, early next year, to see when they could have fans back because they're losing so much money, and so maybe this is a way to recoup some. But I also believe the NBA sure. can can easily recoup that losses. I mean, it's a the, the NBA is possibly, in my opinion, it has the healthiest like outlook in the, in all of all the big four North American North American sports. And I mean, it its future it looks bright and has star. It will always has has advantage of being a very star-driven league. People yeah. are going to people are going to want to come back to see that once the pandemic's over. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that, but again, there's this lack of money, right? And that's the main issue moving forward. And who knows, maybe again, maybe this is one way to recoup some of those losses, who knows, but in any case, that's just a weird conspiracy theory. Believe it or not, that is that is your up to your discretion, but is there any change in in your prediction? Because you guys said five after after last podcast, and I still stick with seven. I'm gonna ride with that. Do you guys have any predictions? Do you guys still think it's five? I'm sticking to my guns. I'm saying it's five. Um, it's one of those close, those very viable playoff games that, like, if you lose, that's a huge morale um, buster. And my, Miami's now, honestly, it's an uphill battle. Um, and you're also facing against one of the possibly one one of the more one of the possibly the hungriest players players player in this playoff in LeBron James. 
I mean, he's under a lot of pressure. He needs that fourth ring. So it's 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 not looking honestly. The outlook's not great for Miami. Um, I'm just going off of the point that you you've made over multiple podcasts, Jerry, that the Lakers only need to win two quarters, and they lost last game, but they won. They lost Sunday's game, but they won today Tuesday's game, and they haven't played well, but. Every both games have been close, so the Lakers can play pretty bad for majority of the game, and somehow come out with the W. So with that being said, I still have my same prediction of them being able to win in five. Like you said, they just got to win in two quarters. Game five could actually be a blowout, and I could see that there's a high probability. There's a big probability that that the Lakers could actually blow out game five because because Miami's morale. I'm sensing. I'm I'm gonna have to go hedge on a bet that Miami's morale is actually pretty low right now, especially considering that they have what three days off until Game Five, right? Yeah, but like that that AD three pointer at the end—that's one of those very like demoralizing shots. Very right? demor very demoralizing and potentially series changing. They're gonna um, still come out and play. This that's that was our issue. You don't we don't sit here and think that they're gonna ah uh, we're lost we're we're down. I mean they're gonna one. go no. Out, they're gonna go out on a play, but but I I like Los Angeles is gonna come out next game think, sniffing. There's there's a there's a banner on the way. There's a banner on the way, and they could. I be, hope so. They could be way more motivated than in than in previous games. So. I hope so because there's been a lack of that this past two games. Like I know I it's hope very that they flip strange. The switch. Just please, yeah, I know. I don't understand <laughs> what's going on. I, it ma- it makes me think like what are these guys discussing in the in in the back like you know behind the scenes what is going on? They still playing Madden. Yeah. Yep. Again, they only need two quarters, two really good quarters. Actually, no, I wouldn't even say really good. I just say two good quarters, and then the series is over. I mean, what? LeBron, LeBron especially should be very very hungry right now because like that that championship is literally in his it's it's about to be touched by him. It's in his arms, like it's, it's in his. It's on his fingertips. Yeah, it's on his fingertips. Like, like just you just you gotta have one more good game, and, and you have you're you're a four time champion. Speaking of really good champions and four time champions and all that jazz, game three of the WNBA Finals was tonight, and you guys were right. The Seattle Storm swept the Aces for their fourth championship. They swept them. 92-59 in Game 3, and it's their second championship in three years. You guys were talking about Liz Cambage's. She was missing, and obviously they really needed her presence. And a person that we didn't really mention was Kelsey Plum. She missed the entire year with left Achilles injury, and I had a lot of expectations going into her, I think, third year already because she has been kind of up and down she hasn't been necessarily the number one pick that people thought she would be but you know there was still hope for her she's still very young i think she was born in 1994 so just that is disappointing but knowing that they can they have the pieces there right and they can build off of that the main thing is angel mccotry she's 34 and she's made it to the WNBA finals four times she's been swept every single time that's that's rough. That's tough. You know, that's talk about morale, like especially as a 34 year old. Um, and then I'm just also looking at the highlights as you're speaking about it uh, of the WNBA finals. But yeah, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, yeah, that is rough, dude. Um, 
she's still a great player, but 0 and 12. Oh, 0 and 12 and 0 and 4 lifetime. I mean, you know, we talk about morale, like you said, we talk about morale, but sheesh, that's got to be, you know what? Credit to her though, because she's still fighting, right? She wants, she wants to make that three and twelve. So, good on her for at least keeping up her high level of play. But on the flip side, the the Seattle Storm, they were just, they were just, I don't know what to say. They were just really good. They led this game by more than thirty points at one point. It's Sue Bird's fourth WNBA championship, and. We, we were talking last week or last time about Brianna Stewart. She set a WNBA Finals record for scoring 20-plus points in six straight WNBA Finals games. That's the longest streak in WNBA history, the six-plus games scoring 20 points or more. And that earned her the Finals MVP. So just for context, these last three games, she scored 85 total points. And just to add in on how great she is those six games are the only six games she's ever played in the WNBA finals and she's averaged more than 20 points so Seattle has has had a great year especially Stewart so uh, congratulations uh to them and you know we'll we'll see them next year that's a championship mentality they didn't play with their food they went out and swept and when you have a veteran leadership in the the point god in uh, sue bird uh going up with uh rihanna stewart i mean that that's a that's a tough combination they're a good constructed team and they showcased it they did not play when they came to this bubble they showed that they were the best team and kudos to them for getting securing another uh championship yeah they won the first two games by 13 each and then they won game three by 33 and that's they just ate the food right there just a few more bits of news here before we wrap things up so Ty Lu has met with the Clippers and the Pelicans about their openings and will soon meet with the Rockets according to Mark Stein and according to Mark Stein as well John Lucas might be a name to look out for for the Rockets coaching position he was actually the player development coach under Mike D'Antoni and he apparently has a really good relationship with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. So that's a name to look out for. And can you guys believe that it's been 27 years since Michael Jordan retired for the first time at 30? That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, like, you know, when a player retires, you think they're gone for good. But um, thinking about Jordan's career, I mean, the retirement, like the whole story around it, it, it's literally fascinating. It's one of the most – fascinating stories to ever like come out of American sports. And, and honestly, the comeback was even more awe-inspiring. And you know, that's why people think he's the greatest of all time today. Just, just imagine if he didn't retire with he... the Houston Rockets go on a two peat. Mm-hmm. I doubt it. Honestly. <laughs> no, because... they, they, I, I think Chicago may have lost one final, but I can guarantee you they may have won maybe, maybe one extra ring. I mean, check this. When he retired, he led the league in scoring. He was second in defensive player of the year voting, and he won his first three-peat. So it's very – it could be very likely that – I, I mean, you know, given – I mean, I hate to say this. But this you, you may – I may get a Stephen A. reaction out of drill, but given how competitive the New York Knicks were and, you know, and they were they, – they <laughs> You talking they, about Patrick Ewing who smoked the layup? Come on now, bro. 
Sorry, was, get out of here. They were infamous for their hell no. Nah. Those those Knicks were motivated to beat Chicago. They may hell have no. Nah. They may have beaten Chicago in an Easter Conference final eventually. They, they matched up with Jordan. Nah, dog. I don't know about that one. I gotta disagree. I Oops. mean, there's a there, there's a lot of questions around Jordan's career. Like, you know, another big question with Jordan's career, like, what if Len Bias hadn't died? Like, I mean, so I mean, I'm trying not to get off topic, but there's there's a lot of Jordan's career for for a lot of the successes. There's a lot of what ifs around it. There's a lot of what ifs, right? But we do know for sure that Jordan was a beast, yeah. and to sit here and say that 30 years old, still in his prime, <laughs> that. It's it's hard to say that he wouldn't be able to continue the the streak of winning NBA championships. I mean, if he had won, if he if he had won a championship in both those seasons, that's eight straight championships. That's hard. Who's to say he couldn't do that? I mean, Celtics. I mean, uh, I mean, if, yeah. if, if any, well, Boston was doing a time when basketball wasn't really developed. It don't matter. But, and LeBron James been into how many straight finals? Ten. Exactly. Well, not ten, like, but like cha- nine. Cha- championships are hard to win, and 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 in most cases, you can't win all the time. Yeah, Jordan did every time he was in the finals, six for six. I mean, but that retirement did help him. It, it gave him the nece- It gave him a necessary break he needed. So when he did come back, he was refreshed, and they won, and that gave him the opening to win a, a, another three straight. Hmm. So I mean, maybe maybe if he hadn't retired, like Jordan still ends in ends with six rings, but. But in doing so, the path may have been a little bit different. May have been a little bit different. That is a great segue to this next point that the next-gen trailer for NBA 2K21 dropped. And it graphically, it looks better, but graphics don't make a game great. And especially, especially today, like graphics matter even less. I mean, graphics, I mean, they still ooh and awe you every once in a while. But technologically, we're getting to a point where, like, graphics are like nearly like picture image. So you gotta give you gotta give other features to get gamers enticed. Modes, yeah. gameplay, like you gotta offer that. Your guys' thoughts? Because I'm put it simply, I'm not impressed. I'm I, NBA 2K21 for will forever live in my memory as the game we saw Zion and Asana. So um, I I like I saw it. It, it does not entice me to buy PS5, and I'm definitely not buying NBA 2K20. I agree. Gra- graphically, it does it does look look a little bit better, but it, it it reminds me of when we see NBA players in the summer working on aspects of their games that we yep. w- that they don't do, like Julius Randle. We got fooled so many times as fans, or when we see Mitchell Robinson trying to dribble the ball and shoot at threes and whatnot, and they come in NBA and still broke his, or they're still shooting bricks. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's that's what I'm seeing here. I'm not about to, I'm not getting bamboozled again. I already the only reason why I got 2K20 is because Kobe. Now, this game I you got to you got to show me something different. I agree. There's just nothing too different about it and who knows what it's going to act how it's actually going to play, but unless there's a a new you know, gameplay trailer, an actual gameplay trailer where we can actually see the animations and stuff cuz that's the thing that we have a lot of trouble with. I'm not I'm not convinced. I don't like this, so. so- oh well. Basically, this is just proof every day by day that the sports video game genre is best when there's a lot of competition. And that's why it has suffered, because there's no competition. EA needs to pick up their game to make a good 
an actual good NBA game. So NBA 2K can actually raise their game as well. All righty then. On that note, it's time to wrap things up on this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. And lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter and at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram for all the news on the Shooting Bricks podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. I'm Daniel Wynn. And next time y'all hear from us, the Lakers going to be NBA championship champions. <laughs> it's your boy, Rayleigh Rose, your own selves. Banner 17, baby. We will see you guys next time.